Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Your host, Mark Allen, and today I have a special guest. Happy to introduce Jeff Adler from the Yardi team, Yardi Matrix. Jeff, how's it going? Yeah, go, going well. Thanks. Great, Jeff. Thanks, and uh, we're happy to have you here. If you'll go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, well, I uh, I run the uh, Yardi Matrix, which is the data uh, businesses of uh, of Yardi Systems. Uh, we offer a uh, toolkit that's used by investors. Uh, brokers, property managers, uh, debt and equity investors to uh, source, uh, pre-underwrite, and then asset management, asset manage uh, commercial real estate investments, uh, both commercial, both uh, multifamily, office, industrial, uh, and self-storage. Ah, self-storage. I think I heard that news today, actually. So that's that's quite interesting because, to my understanding, that market is is kind of tight knit, closed lip. Um, oh boy, so. Anyways, that that would be a whole separate conversation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what anything else about your background and, and kind of where you started and how you got to where you're at today? Sure. Uh, well, my background: um, I was the chief operating officer of Aimco, the apartment REIT, uh, from 2002 to 2009. Uh, before then, I did some management consulting work, uh, and I joined Yardi about just about three years ago uh, to help them uh, build the data business, and I'm having a heck of a fun time doing it. Oh, that's great. And I know because you have access to uh, a ton of information that you're very well received in uh, the commercial real estate industry because you have uh, a load of macro knowledge on what's going on and uh, on a national scale and then down to uh, specific markets as well. So um, with that, what are your top three multifamily markets in your mind um, as we enter Q2 of 2017 and why? Well, the three markets I'd tell you is the top tier um, would be uh, Sacramento, Dallas, and Seattle. And if you ask me kind of why uh, that, that's the case, uh, Sacramento uh, is, is a, well, a secondary market, smaller market, just has had no supply added into that market. And uh, it's, it's growing at a continuing 9% clip. Uh, there's a big spread in pricing between San Francisco and Sacramento. Uh, and it, unless there's a significant increase in supply, I don't see that really kind of kind of slowing down. Um, in Dallas, I see a very broadly diversified uh, economy. Uh, uh, employment growth is still clicking around 3%. Uh, rent uh, is still clicking around 4 on a rather constant uh, basis, 4, 4.5. And, um, and uh, while well, new supply is uh, coming in, it's coming in at the high end and concentrated primarily in, uh, in the uptown uh, marketplace. So, um, I like Dallas a lot, and all all three of the markets I'm going to uh, describe, I would orient investments toward the uh, Class B, Class uh, uh, B minus uh, asset class is most protected from the influence of new supply. Uh, and then the last market I would have is Seattle. Seattle does have a lot of supply. It also has an enormous amount of employment growth. So. Um, it's got, if you look at the kind of uh, deliveries as a percent of stock, um, you know, the upper 4 or 4%, but it continues to kind of have uh, just uh, phenomenal job growth. And as long as the, that kind of happens, 
uh, Seattle's going to continue to be kind of a, a great market to be in. I've got three other ones uh, if we if you needed to uh, skew off the off the beaten path, but I think those are sort of very three solid uh, markets. Yeah, what would be uh, the other three? I would assume the indicators are kind of the same, but what would be those other three? Well, the other ones are actually a little bit a little bit uh, kind of further afield. So, for example, Inland Empire, um, mm-hmm. the LA market is a really good place. So, Inland Empire is one of those uh, I'll call it a it's a fringe market of a core market that has the same kind of demand supply, uh, positive balances. Um, I think Miami in certain places um, is a good market, um, again, because of good employment growth. It does have a lot of supply coming in, uh, which is a bit of a cautionary tale on the on the upper end towers, which has choked off uh, recoveries there before, but it's a very large market. And the other one might surprise you guys, but I actually think Indianapolis is a deep value add play uh, because the economic climate in the Midwest and uh, Indianapolis is the best of, the, of that region, uh, offers good values for cash flow-oriented investors, but the, the, in, the uh, appreciation of the assets is not going to be uh, as high as some other places. Okay. Well, if you're in these top markets that you just mentioned, what are some of the top indicators, you know, putting your investor hat on, what are, what are the top indicators that you would look at um, to kind of help guide which sub-markets you should focus in? Yeah, well, it's a very, uh, for me and for the work we've been doing, um, we're very much focused, I would say, on, uh, it, we call them intellectual capital nodes. It's the places where knowledge work and knowledge workers uh, get done, get, do their business for that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking for uh, aggregations of private uh, enterprise, you know, where, where there's some kind of knowledge base. It could be technology. It could be a business-to-business. It could be biotech. It's something where people are using their brains. It could be hospitals. It could be universities. So that's where I look for those kinds of places uh, and um, for where I want to go. And now, if you find those places, you will naturally find uh, good job growth. You will naturally find a vibrant social scenes in terms of uh, live, work, play kind of environments. You'll find generally low crime. Uh, you'll find those things that are coincident with intellectual capital nodes because of everything else that's kind of going on around it. Um, I'll just use an example of, of Dallas. We actually broke Dallas not into uh, one city, but actually six. So there's six intellectual capital nodes you know, in the Dallas area. And the place where uh, rent growth has been the highest has not been downtown. In fact, it has, or they call uptown Dallas, but it's in fact been in the areas like Farmers Branch, Irvine, uh, and Frisco, where and Plano, where there's mm-hmm. a lot of lot of new uh, job formation happening, a lot of intellectual capital work. It could be you know a relocation of a major employer like Toyota. It could be a university. It could be a hospital. Uh, but but those are the places that that I look for, uh, and that seem to be performing uh, extraordinarily well. Okay. And as you know, we have some shifts with uh, with the the current uh, with the current president and uh, his yeah. his crew. Um, also, with interest rates and you know, there's there's a lot of changes as we enter 2017. Uh, what sure. kind of changes or, or standards should investors be making, and maybe not necessarily in their underwriting, just in general, um, as they're looking for deals in this current market cycle position? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you, you're, you're clearly in a mature phase, right, of the cycle. 
Uh, obviously, I think the demographics favor an extension of this uh, uh, long-range secular trend. And if there is a, down, a, a sort of a recession, and I don't think there'll be one more for two to three years, uh, so I think we have a couple years to run in terms of a general expansion, um, I think it'll tend to be milder uh, than the cataclysm we faced in kind of 2009, 2010. Um, so this is going to be, more, because the demographics are going to be a cushion underneath any kind of short-term liquidity crunch. Um, but I would be, you know, as I think about that, you kind of look for some level of downside protection, uh, which means uh, cash flow and some kind of uh, equity cushion, which you don't want, you know, obviously you don't want to be as highly levered. And I don't, honestly, with the, underwriting, the debt underwriting standards, you really can't be. Because uh, debt underwriting standards have, have basically, you know, apart from going to I.O., they are different than they were the last cycle. You just can't get the kind of leverage uh, you yeah. had before. The CMBS market just isn't there uh, in terms of a, a real kind of a liquidity source. And the other sources of capital, the GSEs, are sort of appropriately capitalized at 65 70% LTVs. So there's a lot of equity cushion. So I think, uh, you know, as long as you were um, a little more modest in your rent growth expectations, I think there are still you know, expense um, reductions. I think value add is going to continue to be a great strategy, uh, mm -hmm. which is why I like Class B apartments uh, so much. Uh, they provide, uh, and if you look at the spreads, as we do, we look at the spread between a Class A assets and the kind of the Class B, the Class uh, uh, B minus asset, and those spreads have widened from about 400 bucks a month to like $725 a month on average all across the country. Which again, it goes. It's different city by city, and it's a different submarket by submarket. But that's why I like Class B so much. Is you still have room to go 100, 150, sometimes even 200 dollars a month, and there's an ample price umbrella that you can live. Uh, you know, you have uh, behind you. So that it cushions your risk, and of course, with the value add, if you can't get the rents, you can stop and pick it up later. So uh, I think this is not a place. Uh, in the cycle where you, you would want to take a tremendous amount of, of, of liquidity or leverage risk um, because you got two, three years. Again, I think you've got a recession. You've got to assume it's going to happen at least three years from now, no, yeah. no later than that. And you don't want to be upside down in your capital stack uh, going into something like that. But apart from that, and, uh, you know, apart from that, I think the base, the core fundamentals are really, really solid in terms of demand. Uh, right. Supply, there are, there's localized problems of, of supply absorption in 2017 as a lot of supply comes on board. Um, and so those, are, those submarkets are, are generally, you know, the major top tier 1520 cities uh, in the sort of urbanized cores uh, of those cities. Um, the suburbs and Class B apartments are great places to be that basically provide protection against um, those, uh, uh, those, those, uh, that pricing and absorption pressure. Uh, and I think with, the, with that kind of appropriate caveat, uh, I, I think it's a great environment to be in. Yeah, the, the B product is definitely jam-packed here, as you know. Um, yes. Quick kind of caveat off that. Uh, any speculation as to what may cause the next recession? I, I hear um, some interesting stuff about, you know, this tech startup bubble. Um, mm -hmm. And then how how that you know I, I don't know if there's any you have any opinion on that or or something else that may cause uh, a recession here in the near future. Yeah, I I think it's more um, 
I'll call it general kind of caution. I've been through enough business cycles to know that the business cycle hasn't ended. Mm. Anyone that tells you that things are going to go on forever, it should have their head examined. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's more the notion that there is, something's going to happen. Now, what could the source of that something be? Um, it is you know, likely uh, that um, if the, in order to make the tech markets hum, you do have to have some kind of, of VC cycle, venture capital cycle, that provides the funding, that provides the, the boost. But there's a lot of tech companies now and these tech hubs that have been built that are cash-flowing organizations um, that while San Francisco may have this, you know, the, 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 the air kind of bled out of the balloon there, um, a lot of the secondary markets, uh, classical secondary markets, are on pretty firm foundation and their technology hubs are, are, are pretty well kind of established companies and established uh, organizations. Um, so I, I don't know that there's going to be sort of a, uh, entirely a bust uh, on the, on the uh, technology side. Um, I think it's a more a kind of a grind its way forward. I think you are going to see the, the administration attempt to rebalance the economy uh, more towards the transformation and extraction industries um, and less overweight uh, on the technology pieces. You know, we're beginning to do some work both on trade and, and, and immigration policy. Uh, the part that could really kind of throw a monkey wrench in the works is if the H-1B program gets kind of scrambled because that has been fueling a lot of the talent coming into the Bay Area and some of the sort of top-tier uh, markets, um, and and that could have a significant impact on it. So, in a very negative in a very negative way, unfortunately, uh, and actually the immigration issues, the, the immigration from Mexico is actually um, down quite a bit. It, it's really not. It's 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 a it's a story of 20 years ago. I mean, the real story today in immigration is more ch the Chinese and, and and people from India uh, coming as opposed to the folks in Mexico. Um, so, you know, it's almost like we're dealing with kind of last generation's problem. Uh, I think there is an essence and truth in that um, uh, the economy was so underweight, the other sectors, both transformative manufacturing and, uh, and, and extraction, and that the only game in town that was left was technology. Now, if you have a rebalancing, you'll get some of the air bled out of the balloon on tech because the investment opportunities in the other industry types will be better. And so you'll see, yeah, I think you will see some rebalancing going on. That is the intent of the administration to rebalance it, um, which is why, again, I kind of like, you know, the non-prime, I'll call it the non-sexy six, uh, non-primary <laughs> market, right, because they're insulated from those um, extremes as well. Okay. Well, uh, regarding Yardy Matrix, I know you touched on fr from a high level, but uh, do you have anything to add about, you know, what kind of value uh, Yardy Matrix can bring to investors, brokers, property managers, and, and others? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we do a couple of things that are kind of special um, that are particularly valuable to market participants. One is that uh, we, you know, most real estate is held in single-purpose entities, uh, LLCs. We actually pierce those LLCs and find out who the actual general partner is and how to contact that general partner, and because of that, we also can roll up portfolio. So that's kind of something a little bit special that we do. Uh, we also collect all the information on the first lien positions, 
which is the, the, the loan itself the, and any of the terms, conditions, and maturity dates, which is very valuable for investors to know what deals are going to come to market, uh, or could come to market, and how to get in front of it, and then how to, how to uh, approach uh, the principal, upon a principal-to-principal basis, or uh, for if you're an intermediary, how to get to that principal uh, or, and, and maybe solicit their business, uh, like yourself, Mark, you know, using that maturity schedule, you can have a conversation with uh, owners about their values uh, for the next 18 months and how they can, you know, realize value by putting it, possibly putting their, their property on the market. Um, and, and in one area that, that we've, we've got, you know, a significant amount of, 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 in, of value from that is our rating system, which is patented. We actually separate the property ratings from uh, the, the, the improvement ratings from the location ratings. And that's really important when you're trying to find mismatches. So if you're executing a value add strategy, you want to find a, a grade B asset in a grade B neighborhood or a C asset in a B neighborhood. And our, our grading system allows you to pick, basically find the needle in the haystack that fits your investment strategy and also come up with kind of true comps on a comp uh, basis. The last thing that I would say that is actually kind of groundbreaking um, and is available even in your home market of Dallas, um, is expense comps. Now, most of the data, that all, all the other data that we have and we've discussed here is drawn from original research or public record research that has been heavily cleansed and, and uh, modified and, and added to create value for, for all the participants in the industry. We've just added a, a data which provides aggregated and anonymized expense comps at the equivalent of a comp set level, down to as few as maybe six or seven assets, which really helps you dial in on your valuations, uh, because not only do you have now the revenue and the sales history, but you also have the expenses. And that uh, is kind of catching on pretty, pretty big time. It's something that's very unique, and it is proprietary, and uh, we think it's going to add a lot of value to the industry. Wow. That's outstanding. Yeah, definitely some valuable tools that uh, that both benefit me and uh, many of my clients. So I uh, look forward to seeing the company grow, and, and uh, especially as you guys continue to add capabilities. So great stuff. Well, uh, Jeff, we, we appreciate the time. I know you've been really busy um, and have been on the road traveling, and, and you have spoken at multiple events this year, including NMHC. Uh, so we appreciate your time. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with? No, I just want to say that I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your client base. And, uh, Mark, I know you do a great job in the Dallas market. Uh, and um, uh, I think that uh, I think we continue to be very optimistic about the multifamily industry and uh, the professional investors uh, in it who have really made this industry uh, really different than it was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, it's really become quite a, a, a well-run, well-organized industry that's created a lot of value uh, for, for them, for investors as well as the, uh, uh, the the society overall. So thank you very much for the time. Yeah, thanks, Jeff, and I'm sure we'll see you soon here at uh, an industry event. All right, thank. You. Have a good day, Mark.